The following is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end client experience platform that helps you get the job, manage the job, and get credit. Welcome to Winning on Main Street. This is Gordon Henry, and thanks for joining us. The American economy is driven by small business, local business people who want to work for themselves and build something successful. COVID-19 is hitting small business hard, and today we're fortunate to be speaking with small business expert, author, radio show host, and speaker, Barry Moltz. Barry will discuss how small businesses are getting through the COVID-19 crisis. Welcome, Barry. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. So, Barry, um, first of all, I just thought I'd ask you, how are you feeling personally, uh, physically during this coronavirus crisis? Have you had any issues, your family? Uh, You know, my son actually had it in New York City, but he had it early. He's in his late 20s, Mm. uh, but he had a very mild case of it. And uh, he feels good because he feels like he's immune now. Uh, I guess there's a positive stuff about having it early. Yes, yes. It's interesting uh, when you know people, particularly in New York, where it's really the epicenter, uh, how many people have similar stories to that one that, uh, you know, they've gotten it or someone in their family has gotten it. And uh, most of them, thankfully, have gotten through it without major symptoms. And, you know, there does seem to be this herd immunity thing building up. But, you know, I guess we'll hear more about that in the future. So, uh, Barry, where are you speaking to us from today? I'm actually in a high-rise in Chicago off the vacant Michigan Avenue, which is one of the <laughs> busiest retail districts in the world. It is closed. Right, right. Uh, well, I'm uh, just outside Philadelphia and very much t- the same here, although it is a nice sunny spring day, so happy for that. So, Barry, um, just getting into our topic today, uh, I thought I'd begin. I, I saw a very sort of sad article in the Wall Street Journal today about why some small firms are shutting down basically talking about how this government money is getting to them too late and how many simply won't survive. Can you comment? Are you hearing those stories as well? Yeah, you know, I'm hearing the same stories. I think, you know, there's over 30 million small businesses out there. 95% of them say, Gordon, they've been affected by the coronavirus uh, economy somewhere or the other. 50% have closed. Most of them hope to reopen, Mm. but really without government assistance, it's going to be hard for them to hold on. And as you know, they've run into all sorts of different problems trying to get that assistance. But, you know, as I always say, when you put a bank between um, a small business owner and their money, what possibly could go wrong? (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, So as you look across the landscape, I mean, do you have a sense of how many of the small businesses will make it, won't make it, you know, close and then open? Any sense of those statistics? And I think it really depends on so many different things. How much government assistance will there really be? Will everyone who applied for it get it? Will there be a second round of government assistance? Will we move to a more European model where the government will fund 75% of small business owners' payroll? And then what does reopening actually look like? Right. Um, and that's going to depend on, you know, do we have a vaccine? Do, can we test people who have immunity? Um, you, know, th- you know, those kinds of things. So I think right now there's still so many unknowns. And it's hard to think about rebuilding when we're still in shelter in place. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems to be the question of the day is, is when do we open up again? And what does that mean? How does that look? Just as you were talking about, um, you know, and, and, and so many 
issues that people are grappling with now. I know in some states they've even shut down where they won't like let a landscaper out to mow your yard. And others say, you know, the landscaper or, or, or the guy who cuts your grass working in the backyard by himself with a, a lawnmower, how, what's, what's the risk of him getting coronavirus? And I think this is unique. You know, uh, two weeks ago, I interviewed uh, Senator Marco Rubio, who's, mm. of course, the chairman of the Senate Committee on Small Business Entrepreneurship. And he said that he felt uh, that the government had a, a, a re- they were required, really, in this case, to help out small business owners because to no fault of their own, the government actually shut down their business. So this yeah. is a unique situation, Gordon. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. So let's let's talk a little bit about these federal programs. Um, I mean, we've been reading them, and I know the money is now starting to flow. Uh, how many small businesses have gotten federal money so far? Do you have any sense of that? Sure. No. If you, according to the American Bankers Association, they reported this on Monday. They said that two hundred and five billion of the three hundred fifty billion actually had been appropriated and claimed. It doesn't mean they got the money, but they were approved for it. I really have no idea what the number of that business, the number of businesses are really involved in that two hundred and five billion dollars. Hmm. Uh, but a lot of people are getting accepted. The anecdotal uh, that I hear across my clients and across the web is that. People are starting to hear that they're getting accepted, and then usually anywhere between a day and seven days later, they actually get the money in their bank account. Wow. And is it generally like a direct deposit where the money happens immediately? It's not like they're sending paper checks through the mail? <laughs> right, it's direct deposit because most people are doing this through their bank, so they already have some kind of an account. And if you're doing it through a fintech lender like Cabbage or uh, PayPal or Lendio, you have to set up an account with them in order to apply. Hmm. Right. Yeah, it, it seems like some money is starting to get to people because I, I noticed today uh, speaking here that uh, the stimulus checks, these $1,200 checks that are going to individuals are starting to hit people's bank accounts. I think the real confusion, Gordon, is what do people who are independent contractors really do or sole proprietors, how do they really prove what their payroll is? And mm-hmm. that's been confusing. That, that The ability to apply for the same program, Paycheck Protection Plan, for those people opened up on April the 10th. And what those folks need to do is go to Schedule C, line 31, which says what they paid themselves, take that number, let's say you, you for your taxes from last year, the year before, divide it by 12, and then multiply it times two and a half. That's the amount of money you should be applying for. And you do qualify for that. So I don't want a lot of independent contractors giving up and going after the stimulus money. Interesting. And that uh, independent contractor approval came after the rest of the program, right? That came right. on the tail end. Exactly. The th- April 3rd was when uh, businesses could apply, and then April 10th. And for small businesses, they basically only had to send in uh, forms 940 and 941, which were the payroll tax forms to show what your payroll was last year and in February. Okay. And for people who uh, uh, are applying now, maybe who didn't get to it as quickly, um, what do you recommend for people in terms of how they should do this? Like where, which site should they go to? What, what, what's the process? If you can go through your bank and you have a relationship, apply through them. If you don't have a bank or your bank isn't responding, then go to one of these fintech lenders who I believe, again, like Cabbage, Lendio, and PayPal, who are actually set up to process loans electronically very quickly. 
They just got the ability to do that last week. Uh, but don't give up. A lot of folks are frustrated, Gordon. Mm. But again, you should get your fair share of stimulus money because that's what it is there for. And I really believe it's designed for as a grant as long as the money go to goes towards 75% of it goes towards payroll. Got it. Could you briefly explain the different programs? We've all we've heard the letters PPP. I know there's some other things. What can you sort of just go through the laundry list of what the programs are and what people should be looking for? Yeah, so so we talked about the PPP, which is the paycheck protection program that is based on two and a half times your average payroll for the month of February. And that is forgivable as long as it goes towards payroll, 75% goes towards payroll. 25% of it goes towards mortgage, rent, utilities, and that's used by June 30th as it currently stands. But there's another program that was popular until they cut it. It was called EIDL, which was the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. Mm -hmm. This was originally designed for when people like Hurricane Katrina or natural disasters, they started this thing up. They said, yeah, you know, you can get up to, uh, to I think it was $2 million or, or $2 million, I think. And so people start applying for it. And that was directly through the SBA. Well, unfortunately, they got so many people applying for that, that the SBA last week said, well, not so fast. We're only going to be able to give $25,000. The first $10,000 will give you based on how many employees you have, $1,000 for each employee, up to 10,000, 10 employees. And then the other $15,000 based on need. That's a loan that actually carries an interest rate of 3.75% and is amortized over 30 years like a mortgage. So people that can't get PPP, then you know I would probably take advantage of EIDL, and that's available through an online application through the SBA. Okay. And the uh, individual, uh, uh, the contractor or individual, uh, uh you know, person, individual owner, that's the PPP as well. The the the, the um, that one. Yeah, you can apply really, you can apply for both. Again, the IDL is really designed as more of a loan. The other oh. one, PPP, is designed as, as a grant. If you can get the PPP, that's going to be forgivable. That really should be your first choice. Uh -huh. um, so I know people who have really received both, but they can't overlap for the same thing. Right. And your recommendation is if you have a local bank who you do business with, go to the local bank. If not, use one of the fintech platforms that you named. Absolutely. But, but, but don't give up. I know it can be frustrating at some times, but again, you should be able to get your fair share if your business has been severely affected by the COVID-19 shutdown. Right. So uh, turning to what happens next, uh, what changes do you foresee in how businesses operate after we open up? And of course that will probably happen gradually, but what, what are you seeing in the future uh, for businesses in terms of how they're going to operate? Uh, differently? You know, this is really the $64,000 question is, what will it look like once we gradually reopen up? And I think that small business owners have to reimagine their business of what it looks like either when people leave their home rarely, or they're leaving their home, but only for short periods of time and don't get together in large gatherings. So you're going to need to make sure that your company, your, your, the business owners, sorry, the, the customers you do business with are comfortable doing business with you, whatever provision that takes, it's masks or gloves or immunity tests. Maybe people who are immune have bracelets. You know, we have no idea. I watch too much science fiction, I think, mm -hmm. Gordon. You just don't know really what's going to happen. But I believe you have to reimagine your business with perhaps less of a load factor. If you're a restaurant, 
Can you make money by only half filling your restaurant? Or if you're a bowling center, only half filling. You have to keep thinking about what assets, how can you reimagine or reinvent your business to what people really need now? What are your real skills that you can sell to a world that really has changed? Right. Are there any silver linings that you've seen uh, in terms of businesses? I mean, clearly the grocery stores and drug stores are surging in business, probably never been busier. Uh, but outside of them, that's not really small business. Um, some small drug stores, but, but not too many. Um, what are the local businesses, the small businesses that may either be benefiting right now or be benefiting in the future? Yeah, I really think there is a silver lining because anytime there's a disruption like this, it really forces people to innovate. You know, we don't like change because it's uncomfortable, but here we have no choice. So you may know that, you know, telemedicine has been around for a very long time, but Medicare has not reimbursed telemedicine. And so uh, some of my clients who run uh, uh, physical therapy centers, they're now able to do telemedicine and that telemedicine practice will continue after they open up for business in person. So I really believe if you're able to create an ancillary part of your business now, that can continue later on. So perhaps you own a restaurant and you've never done takeout before, that could continue when this whole thing gets sorted out, maybe six to uh, 12 months from now. Absolutely. Barry, we're just going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. When we come back, I want to talk more about the main lessons from the pandemic. So hang on and we'll be right back. This episode of Winning on Main Street is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end client experience platform that includes everything small business owners need to meet their customers' expectations. Thrive's award-winning and fully mobile interface delivers technology previously reserved for big business to the fingertips of small business owners nationwide. Thrive's built specifically for small business, but there's nothing small about what it can do. Thrive handles your entire customer experience, helping business owners reach more customers, stay organized, get paid faster, and generate online reviews, all from a single device or screen. To learn more about Thrive, visit winningonmainstreet.com and click on Get a Demo. When it comes to software to run your business, there's no comparison. Check out Thrive today. Okay, we're back. This is Gordon Henry, and we're speaking with Barry Moltz, who uh, is a small business expert and author and radio show host and speaker. So we've been uh, talking about the details of the program uh, federal program uh, dealing with COVID-19 and getting money to the small businesses. Now we're sort of turning to the lessons from the pandemic. And you were just talking about things like telemedicine. Um, I was wondering about technology and the use of technology by small businesses. And uh, our sponsor Thrive uh, has a CRM solution that small businesses use to uh, communicate virtually with uh, their customers. And obviously, there's many types of solutions out there that enable this kind of virtual relationship. Uh, does it seem like that's becoming more important now uh, since people don't necessarily want to see you and touch you? Yeah, I, I think, of course, because now people are communicating through online platforms or through email or through filling in, let's say they want to make an appointment uh, on the web or paying, you know, people aren't mailing checks anymore, they're paying online. So I think anything that could make your business more seamless, more virtual, that people can do it in different locations, definitely is going to help. 
and you can spend more time working on the service instead of trying to figure out all the different functions that go on in the business. Yes, absolutely. And I think you were giving suggestions before about how, whether it's the bowling alley or the restaurant, create more space uh, so that um, uh, people don't have to be quite as near each other as before. At least, at least that'll be an issue for a year until we have a vaccine. Who knows beyond that? Um, are there business opportunities that people have now uh, that they uh, maybe should be taking advantage of? We've heard about you know, restaurants doing delivery, restaurants and, and, and other places, even drugstores doing curbside delivery. Are there, are there other formats like that you've heard about or encourage people to think about that sort of transforms the way they uh, interact? Well, it's interesting because I just saw now Airbnb, who, mm. of course, rents out people's homes. No one's doing that. They're offering online experiences, right? Uh, event, uh, uh, event companies are now renting their tables and furniture to set up mobile hospitals or mobile offices, right? Uh, bowling centers, again, what they're doing is they're renting out their space for people to even sleep in, right? Hotels now are giving us, uh, renting out uh, their hotel rooms to hospital workers or disaster workers or things like that. Again, we have to go back and think about what do customers need right now and how can you fulfill it? I mean, if you're uh, one of my uh, clients made uh, women's clothes, the only thing she's making right now are masks. Mm. Yeah. And she keeps keeping the stock fast enough. So you have mm. to evolve with the assets and the skills that you really have. And you really should sit back and think about almost like a startup, Gordon. If you were getting into this thing right now, what skills, what assets do you have inside your company to reimagine your business? Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting the way you talk about that. Um, I saw an interview with uh, Andrew Yang, that guy who uh, ran for president and recently uh, dropped out of the race, but, uh, you know, an interesting fellow. And um, he said that we're going through 10 years of change in 10 weeks. And it really is, uh, as you say, uh, dramatically forcing people to rethink their business in an awful hurry. Uh, in fact, there was an even story today, not so much small business, but big businesses are moving workers, their workforces around uh, CVS, I think is like going through this massive hiring boom and hiring workers from companies like The Gap and uh, other retailers, uh, uh, Best Buy, uh, other retailers who aren't doing well right now or can't do well. Uh, and so even these large companies are, are dramatically rethinking their workforces and how they go on a market. I think work from home been around for a long time, but not available to everyone. And I think now it forces us what does our company look like if everyone's working from home? And how do we keep track of what those KPIs, those key measurements are as they're working from home? Should there be service level agreements, what the employee agrees to do, what the business agrees to do? And I think there'll probably be much more of people not working in an office environment when this is all over. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Um, I wanted to talk for a minute uh, about franchises because uh, many of the companies um, you know, in the sort of small business space are, are franchises, fran you know, entrepreneurs who buy franchises are effectively small business owners too, and they just do it different way. Um, so as you think about the franchise space, how is that doing versus uh, your independent small business? Well, I think, again, it depends on what kind of franchise you are. So if you're a fast food franchise where you can uh, take out or deliver, that's probably doing okay. I just saw a commercial for Papa John's the other night where their entire commercial was about your pizza is never touched by human hands. 
time that it comes out of our oven, our 450 degree oven, until it actually arrives at your doorstep for contact delivery. So these people are adapting. So if you own a fast food franchise, you're probably doing okay. Um, if, If what you do is clean carpets inside of people's homes, you're probably not doing okay. I'm seeing a lot of people that do any kind of maintenance franchise, they're actually shifting their work to be able to work on the outside of someone's home or someone's business instead of doing inside services just because it's safer. Right. That's uh, you know, that's a real problem because people, I, I, maybe I'm typical. I have uh, kids who are supposed to be living elsewhere and working and now they can't be out doing their thing. So they came home to uh, live with us, the family. And, uh, uh, and so there's, more dirt in the house. There's certainly a need for more food. And this cleaning thing you mentioned, um, uh, you know, people who normally might come to your house to do cleaning, there's this kind of, well, I need more cleaning, but I'm not sure I really want an outside person coming into the house to clean because who knows where, where they've been. Um, so how, how, how do the cleaning people uh, take advantage of this? Is, it, is that something you've thought much about? I think it's hard. I mean, what I'm doing is paying our cleaning person and then cleaning the house of myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And again, I've done the same thing with my uh, the person that cuts my hair, mm. but I, I but the arrangement that we have, and I'm sure the one that they're, they're going to want to enforce is I'm actually giving them an advance on payment of services. Right. So you can ask for those you know kinds of things. So I mean, you have a lot of uh, companies that do uh, in home tutoring or in classroom tutoring, and all those people are now you know shifting to online. And again, that online tutoring will be there when this is all over. Uh, so I think you got to do whatever you can to rethink your business and perhaps get future payment for services to be rendered later, especially if you have a personal relationship with that person. Yep. Yep. And I certainly encourage any listeners who can afford to do so to do that advance against services. I, I think that's a wonderful uh, thing to do to support small businesses. And uh, it's a fair exchange. You're just paying in advance. Uh, it's not It's not necessarily charity. It's just saying, hey, I'm helping somebody I know who I trust through a hard time. Now, what my uh, hairstylist is doing is she's actually doing virtual haircuts. Uh, where she's guiding the other person through cutting. If, like, you're with your spouse, they'll cut your hair. I have not yet been brave enough to do that, Gordon. But depending <laughs> on how long it goes, I may try that. Yeah, we may have we may have a lot of people walking around some interesting haircuts over the next Absolutely. couple of months. Yeah, that's funny. Um, one last thing about the franchises: Are the franchises eligible for the same federal money that the small independent businesses are? Yes, in fact, the the bill that was passed by the Congress specifically says that the affiliation rule does not apply. In other words, it's really the number of employees you have in your local franchise. It doesn't matter how many in the franchise total. So they've waived uh, that rule. So that's good news. Okay, so just to be clear, if I'm a franchisee who operates a fast food place, uh, I can apply myself. I don't have to wait for my company to do it, the parent company. I can do it on my own. No, in fact, you have to do it because you are an independent small business just really contracting to use their name for whatever you're paying them and their their branding. So you've got to apply as your business. Right. right. Barry, just as a, uh, since you're keenly attuned to these, uh, as, as you look at these government programs and the way the government has reacted to this crisis in terms of small business, not the whole thing, but just how they've reacted in, in, in terms of helping small businesses, what grade would you give them? Would you give them a 
an A, a B, a C? Where, well, where I, would you I, put this? I think that there's two different grades. I think for effort, I think they get an A, right? Because I think that the design, the, 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 what the intention of the program, Gordon, was a good one. How can we get money into the hands of small business owners really quickly to help them keep people employed? Unfortunately, I would say the execution of this really was an F because I think that they, they used the wrong vehicle to do this. Remember, banks are in a place to minimize their risk so they don't necessarily freely give out money. And in fact, banks were nervous that if they gave out money and it was given out fraudulently, they would be held responsible for it. So things kind of got all mixed up. Uh, so I think A for effort, F for execution. <laughs> uh, I think if we do this again, we might want to, once some of the suggestions that I've been making is for the government to look at the, the, the business's uh, payroll, what they paid in payroll last year through their tax return, and just send them 75% of whatever it was so people don't have to apply. Now you have small business owners competing with each other to apply for this kind of stimulus, and then mm. the banks competing with each other. So it's not a good situation, I think. No. Interesting. So so uh, the intermediary is the problem, the selection of the bank. I think is, the way is... it was executed, I think the way they could have done it is through these fintech companies, okay. say PayPal, because they're designed to take in large amounts of information, to mm. process it through their artificial intelligence engines, and to give a decision and fund the same day. I think that could have worked better. Mm. Barry, do you work directly with businesses who are trying to rethink their business? Or, or is that something you, Absolutely. you, you work with people sort of one-on-one? to figure out where they should go? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, that's something good for listeners to keep in mind to uh, get in touch with you because um, this isn't easy, right? I mean, uh, most of the people you know we encounter who are small business people, they're generally really good at their craft, um, but they don't have tremendous amounts of experience running the business. And so they're really good at what they do, but thinking about how to change the way they deliver those services, maybe that's not something they can do as well on their own. So, But sure I'm optimistic can... about it. I mean, listen, I think this is going to take just like any other economic downturn, you know, uh, a year to 18 months to get through. But I think mm. that American small business, we're a resilient bunch and we're a creative bunch mm. and we're innovative. And uh, small businesses, if they're given the uh, cash flow and the capital, will rise uh, to the challenge. Yeah. It's funny you say we. I guess you're a small business too. Absolutely, I've been doing it for 30 years. So yeah. So how are you rethinking your business? Um, well, part of the way I'm rethinking of it is I'm not sure when there's going to be live events next for me to present at. Right. So a lot of that's being uh, rethought through doing a lot more things online through mm. webinars, um, a lot more video. And, and what's also very interesting is where people used to email or call up on the phone, you'll see a lot more folks doing video conference calls because people really do want to connect and stay in touch. Yep. Yep. I, I, I'm sure we've all had many more zoom uh, calls than uh, ever before. Um, I, I have to funny thing. My, uh, my uh, mother knock on wood just turned 90 and uh, we had a 90th birthday party for her on zoom. My sister went over to her place and, and uh, put a zoom a computer in front of her where she could see a Zoom call with her grandchildren and relatives, you know, who some of whom were actually in other countries. And uh, it was it was really something for <laughs> she said it was the first time she'd ever done anything like that. So uh, we're, we're breaking new ground. It's, it's really amazing. And it is opening up other opportunities. I know for us, you know, we had our Passover Seder this last week and all 13 grandchildren for the first time in 30 years 
we're actually in one place on the Zoom call. And that's never happened before. Right. So some positive sides. Right. Yeah. You touched on the sort of live event space and uh, clearly that one has gotten hit uh, super hard. Any, any kind of live in-person conferences and shows and uh, event, you know, catering thing, th- things where people get together and, uh, and uh, touch and mingle and eat uh, have all gotten hit really hard. Um, it, it, as things open up over the next 60, 90 days, as they inevitably will in some way, shape or form, what do you see happening with that space? Do you think that's going to be kind of the last one to come back? The, you know, the, the, the rock concerts and these, you know, big events. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the mass gathering where you see thousands or tens of thousands of people, those are really going to be the last ones. I think the mm-hmm. first ones will be, we'll be going outside with masks and gloves. We'll be sitting down at a restaurant, which is a quarter half full or going to a movie theater, which is a quarter half full, or flying on airplanes, which are quarter or half full. But mm. I think these mega events are going to be the last ones because there's a lot less control over it. I think the smaller professional events where you have 100 or 200 people, yeah. as long as you have a large enough space, I think those will come back before the uh, you know the big outdoor rock concerts. Yeah, yeah, and I have heard you know people talking about these scanners where maybe for uh, just a normal workspace. Uh, you'll be able to go through some kind of scanner where they'll, t- I guess, at least take a body temperature. And if you right. pass, you go through. And if you don't. Right. We did that when we traveled into Asia in uh, when H1N1 was here. Hmm. Uh, we had to go when we went through the airport. They actually took your temperature. And so maybe that's going to be part of it just to keep people safe. Uh, well, this has been great. I, I want to finish off by asking a few uh, lightning round questions just to get a sense of a uh, better sense of Barry Moltz and what you do with your time. So first question. What's your, what is a current favorite book of yours, a recent favorite book of yours? Yeah, one of my favorite books is called Love is a Killer App. It's by Tim Sanders, who used to be the chief evangelist over at Yahoo. And he talked about a long time before there was even social media, that business is all about relationships. Huh. And that's really the most important app that we can implement in our business life is really to keep those, those relationships alive. That's cool. Love that. Uh, okay. And favorite movie or TV series? You know, it's got to be Jerry Maguire. You know, I mean, show me the money. I can watch it over and over and over again. So I love that movie because I think that it tells the story of a struggling small business guy going out on his own and trying yeah. to compete and really, in the end, servicing one client exceptionally well that he's now able to build his business on. Yeah, that's a great one. Gosh, you, you, I, I laugh just thinking about that movie. Show me the money. That's a great one. Um, and what are you doing more of during the pandemic? Well, it's kind of interesting because I've been into karate and cycling for a long time. My, yoga, my wife's been a yoga instructor for 10 years. I've never done yoga with her ever. Uh-huh. And now I'm starting to do yoga with her because we spent so much time. There's really not much of a choice. And she started a new video yoga video series called If Barry Can Do It, Anybody Can Do It. Oh, that's great. That's uh, great. Fun. I'll have to check that out. Is that, is that available uh, online? On YouTube. Yes, on YouTube. YouTube? Okay. If Barry can do it, anybody, anybody can do can it because I'm the most in- physically inflexible guy you'll ever meet. I love it. I love it. You know, it's funny. Talk about changing your business model. Um, you know, I belong to a gym. It's closed to like most. And uh, this, this gym uh, started making classes available uh, online. Um, they basically have a, a library of video tapes you can access, you know, through your smartphone. And uh, it's pretty much all the classes they offer normally. Uh, but it's all virtual and it's available on demand and it's really helped out. And, 
I, I think it's been a great service and, and uh, you know, God bless them. They're actually not charging for it. It's just a part of the service since they understand you're in a pinch uh, sitting at home. So that, that, that's that been a real change in the business model. I'm sure we'll continue to see more of that stuff. And Gordon, I think that's an important point because even if you're evolving your business and you can't make as much money as you did, you have to stay in touch with your business community, your loyal followers, because someday we'll come out of this and you want them to be there with you. And if you can help them out during this time, they'll remember it. Absolutely. I, I'm so uh, indebted to them that uh, they've made this available as, as one extra way for, you know, because like you, you know, want to stay in touch. I don't want to be a couch potato during these months while we're not allowed to go really do stuff. So uh, it's been great. Um, well, Barry, thank you so much. This has been a really fun and enlightening conversation. Thank you so much, Gordon. Thanks for having me and stay safe. Okay. Uh, that's been Barry Moltz, business expert, author, radio show host, speaker, and uh, has really seen a lot in the small business space for many years and and uh, has great advice on how businesses should be handling COVID-19. So thanks again, Barry. Tune in next episode for insights with other great entrepreneurs. For now, this is Gordon Henry signing off. Mm-hmm.